We're going to start in Second Peter. You know, the further and older I get in God and the older I get in life, you know, they always say as you get older, you learn a little bit. You know, there's a little bit of truth to, like, there's a young man gospel and there's an old man gospel. The young man gospel, you believe things because they, they sound good, it's exciting. But as you get older, you begin to put your heart in things that really matter. And it's harder to be moved uh, when you get your your mindset. I remember my mom, when we started having kids, she told me, she said, well, always regret not spending more time with you kids. She worked a full-time job and and that. And, and she said, Alan, the kids grow fast, so make sure that you enjoy them when they're young. And, and so I've never forgotten that. And she said, I wish I would have spent more time with you kids, work less, and, and was less, clean the house less. Because I think that meant that she'd come home and focus on cleaning the house after work. And she regretted that. Well, that's, you know, when you get older, you begin to prioritize your, um, what you really care, what's really important, what you care about. Family, health, that kind of thing. When you're young, you're more ambitious for things that maybe don't matter. You think they matter, but they don't. So we want to talk about God today in you. Because as I am getting more seasoned as a preacher, I'm finding out from God how how of little importance I, I should play in people's life. Because really, as a, a leader, you kind of can do two things. You can either have people follow you, or you can teach them to follow God. And, and much of the, the church world today is about following personalities, following the guy who's, or person who's most charismatic, who has the most positions, most power. And not, I'm not be, trying to belittle anyone specifically, but I've noticed in the church world, that's kind of the pattern I've seen happen. And the opportunities that I've had in my life was to be a leader in front of people where they'll reward you, uh, but you have to, you owe them. They'll reward you, but you have to tell them what they want to hear. Or direct people to God, which kind of leaves you out of the picture. You know, when you're, you're driving to the mall and, and there's a police officer moving traffic one way to the left, left to right, and you come up to him, he says, go this way around the accident. Then uh, you go to the left and you give him a little wave. You know, you don't stop by and give him a tip and say, hey, thank you for directing me the right way, sir. You, you just fixed my day. You know, you kind of thank him for that moment, then you move on. And as a preacher, any minister, now I'm talking as a seasoned, uh, I, want to, I don't want to call myself seasoned, but uh, as a more seasoned than yesterday preacher, any minister that tries to get you to come to them before you go to God is not helping you in the long run. Now, there are places in ministry where you know we lay hands on people and we prophesy to people and we encourage people. But ultimately, all that should be focused, helping people to keep going down the path of following God. Because really, you have, you, you have to follow God. And this is one of my beefs with ministries that are kind of create a culture where you can hide and, and you feel like you're moving forward. You hear it even here at the prayer center. I think Gary said it, says it every, 
every few months. You know, you can you can be in the prayer center where we talk about prayer, we emphasize prayer, we we celebrate the power, the, the way that prayer changes us, and not pray. And you could think you're praying, and understand that prayer. We don't pray as an offering, God. Prayer in the Holy Ghost is a personal tool that you have to grow into the things of God. And when you see how valuable you are to God, how important you are to God, how important your calling is to God, then you, you, you start to hold on to prayer because you want that to come to pass. If you see yourself as one of many able to hide, see the culture of, I'd even call it the fivefold ministry culture, where we lift up the fivefold higher than they're supposed to be. And it's kind of along the lines of, hey, you come to church, give your offering, worship. If you need prayer, come to the prayer line. Need a word from God, hey, I'll give it to you. You need direction from God. We have all kinds of activities that you can plug yourself into so you can feel useful to God. But in that, we want you to take the time to know God. You. Specifically you. To know God to where you can hear His voice and do what He says. And I was in that kind of ministry for when I first started out, and it was a harnessing ministry. You learn how to harness people, how to get them to willingly be harnessed <laughs> and, and to stick around for a long time. So as we grow in God, it's important that we begin to take our preachers and put them where they belong. We're supposed to walk alongside each other, not one above another, if you can say amen to them. Because the moment you allow yourself to go under a man, that God didn't place you there. Now, God could place you there in a ministry with a preacher that says, I want you to help them, walk with them. You know, then God's the one who put you there. He didn't put you to be under them. But, you know, there is, you're with them. You're not there to cause division. Hey, God sent me here. I'm going to, I don't like how you're doing things. I want to change it up. You know, sometimes, you know, every, every season we get a prophet come into the church that no one knows, never met him or her, and don't know who they are, where they come from. As a pastor, that's a warning sign. Like, I'm not going to let you speak to the sheep because I don't know who you are. Well, God sent me, brother. What did God send you for? What to bring correction to your church? Oh, well, praise God. Then tell me. No, 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 I want to tell you. I want to tell everyone else but you. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of prophet, we're like, no, we don't want you. That's not, that's a non-profit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we want to understand that you, you are important. Your calling is important to God. And yes, God will put you alongside of other men and women to walk with them. Maybe if you're called to intercede, God will assign you to, to me to pray for me all the time. Praise God. And, and you think, why am I praying for Alan? Why can't I pray for other people? You know, no, I have one friend who I never met, but uh, God put me on his heart. And he lives in a whole different country. Never met him. But he prays for me Often, especially when I was going through difficult times, he would intercede for days for me. 
And, and so I attribute a lot of my success in walking through stuff to God letting people pray for me. And so God may assign you financially, maybe. I'm always, I'm always careful when people uh, use a shotgun style in their giving. They give a little here, a little there, a little everywhere. And, and it's almost like they're unassigned. They just, as they feel, um, because money talks. So if I give you uh, some money and you say, oh, you bless me, thank you, I feel rewarded. So, you know, rather than put money in where no one knows I gave it and I don't get any, you know, it's very easy to be a, a shotgun giver where you just kind of give a little, 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 and you're not assigned. When you're assigned, it's more specific. And so I'm always, I'm always weary. That's a good way of saying this. I'm always weary of people. I'm always careful of people who are like, they're scattered. They're like a shotgun. You know what a shotgun is, right? Shotgun is what you shoot birds with. You, you know, 12 gauge or 20 gauge. It's a, the size of the pellet. It's got a bunch of little pellets in there. And you shoot it and it spreads out so you can hit a bird. And uh, where a rifle is more specific. It's one shot. You don't try to shoot a bird that's flying with a rifle. You use a shotgun, a scattered gun, they call it. So I'm always more weary when people are scattered in their life, when they're never committed to something or to uh, a walk, where they're a little here, a little there. Some people go to, there's you know five different camps. They travel to this camp, to that camp. They're always switching, conveniently switching who they listen to by what they can receive. And they're missing the point. We shouldn't. We should be receiving from the Holy Ghost personally. And yes, we receive from others, and God will use others as He needs to. But it's important that we become, as I think we say here, laser focused. We allow God to show us what we're supposed to do, and we stay that course. And if you, that's your course you're on, your laser focus, you'll find that you're not rewarded by man. Because everything gets old after a while. You know, everything gets... It doesn't matter if you're, you think, I'm going to... I'm so excited I get to travel and preach. And, and, you know, but after a thousand airplane rides and a thousand hotels away from your family, you know, all the excitement leaves. It's just work like you're any other job. So even the stuff you're excited about, it um, becomes old. And so if you're not singular focused and allow God to lead your steps... You can actually become scattered, where you just kind of go where you feel is best. And that's an unhealthy lifestyle. It doesn't work in anything that lasts. Anything that lasts is singular focused. Here's the difference. If somebody uh, rented an apartment, and then every year they switched apartments, after 20 years, what would they own? Nothing, because they rented the whole time. But if someone was singular focus and they purchased a house and stayed in that one house for 20, 30 years, they would own the house. You see a, a girl or a boy, they're, they're dating someone or they're spending time with someone they're, they're interested in, but got, they don't commit. They haven't put on Facebook yet or on social media uh, committed, you know, dating. It's, it's always like, you know, who, who puts it up first that we're dating, the girl or the boy? And, and so when you have someone who doesn't commit, they may have 
someone they really like. Say a guy has a girl that he really likes, but he doesn't want to announce her. Well, that's because if he announces her as his girlfriend, all the other girls walk away. And he doesn't want that. He wants to keep his options open. And uh, so girls, if you have a guy that won't commit, it's a good time to run then and not wait till later on. If you have a boy that, that you're interested in who only likes to hang out with boys and not men, because when you're with grown men, you talk about grown man stuff. When you're with boys, you talk about boyish stuff. So if you're with a, a young man that you want to marry, and he's only hanging out with boys, doing boy stuff, you know, be careful because he's not growing up yet. Let him grow up a little while. Getting back on, on topic here. So when you get married, that is a commitment that's lifelong and it causes you to invest your time into that commitment instead of a whole bunch of other things, options, just in case. And uh, when I was starting to follow God, I had an experience when I was uh, 18 years old or so and just before, and a real powerful experience one summer where God really touched me. And it changed my life. And that's the moment where the Lord told me to go into ministry, which was not paying a lot of money and and no promises. Because I was not, if you looked at me and studied me, I was the least possible minister you'd want to promote. And the Lord told me, I felt, to go into ministry as an intern. It turned into a full-time position, but it didn't start off like that. An intern means you do all the work with none of the pay. And I had the op- option to go to university where I was trying out for the, the soccer team for a, a scholarship. And I was accepted in the university. And about a week before university, I made the decision to not go to university, but to go into interning at the church for nothing. And my parents, meaning well and being good parents, who didn't want me to be a bum around the house for a long time and, and mooching off of them and, and wanted success in my life, like every good parent, said to me, well, listen, we understand your heart all of a sudden to serve God. But if you look at this preacher and this preacher and you look at this preacher and that preacher, all of them had careers before they went into ministry. So why don't you go to university, finish your course, get your degree. And I wanted to be a teacher at the time. Get your degree and then go into ministry. Because then if ministry doesn't work out, you have something to fall back on. And they were just being good parents, not wanting me to you know, flounder around for a long time. I said, I need to... Follow my heart. I got to follow God. Well, they didn't. I mean, who knows when you're 17, 18, if you heard God or you heard the pizza that you ate the night before. And so my mom took me to a businessman. He was a contractor, um, construction guy. And he took me into his business. And, and my mom planned the meeting. And the goal was for Al, from my mom, to talk Alan Taylor out of pursuing the pipe dream of being in ministry but to go get a career first. Well, after I asked what I wanted to do, what was on my heart, he said, I think you should follow your heart. My mom, I don't think, has talked to him since. <laughs> you know. They have, they have a saying for certain young men. 
son, if you don't cut those apron strings, no one else will. Your mama sure won't. <laughs> Sometimes you got to cut those apron strings yourself. And so I ended up going into ministry being the least qualified. I think in everything I've done in my calling for God, I've always been, there's always been people around me who are more qualified. And what I've learned by that is God doesn't promote you the way man promotes you. I had one young man who was uh, a youth pastor. He's a couple years older than I was. And I, I became the youth pastor. It was kind of like he was in competition for the position because the youth pastor before me moved away. So they needed someone who could be the youth pastor. That's when I went on staff at 19 years old. And there was a guy who was older than me who was already a youth pastor years before. And I got the position. Well, he battled with me all the time. I didn't fight with him. He battled with me. And then the day that I moved from Lethbridge, the summer that I moved from Lethbridge, Alberta, down to Cleveland, Tennessee, to follow God into Tennessee, I had an office. And I was going to um, go clean up my office and kind of close, get some closure. I've been there three years. When I came back from a trip at the end of the summer, my office was cleaned out. That sucker moved in and cleaned out my office because he was taking my job. And I was embarrassed because I had like hidden chocolates in there and different things and <laughs> nothing too bad, but just stuff you, you know, you kind of, you wanted to clean up before they got in there. Well, they had boxed it up and moved in and was like, you're out of here. Finally, now I get my chance to do what I'm better at. And I was so hurt, but I ended up buying him a suit just to deal with my own hurt before I left. Well, he lasted three months and quit. Because if God doesn't want, if God doesn't put you in a position, you don't want it. Even if you think you want it. Even if you think it's going to answer everything you, you're after, you don't want it. You only want what God gives you. And I'm saying this because there's a promotion that God has for you. But it comes from him, not from man. Sometimes man even try to stop it. And, and you'll hear someone sometimes, they're bitter because they're not the pulpit preacher. And they, I've been going to this church for 20 years. Pastor's not promoted me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like me because I'm this or I'm that. Or, you know, we always are, are victims sometimes when we do this. Understand, though, that if God wanted you promoted, no man could stop it. So your problem that you're blaming the pastor for is really you should be talking to God and blaming him. But you're too, too wimpy to talk to God like that. So you, you'll blame everyone else. You know, God will put you beside people. Understand? I understand that. I'm, I feel that God put me beside Pastor Dave and the ministry here. And that means that when God puts you somewhere, this is what you should be able to say from your heart. I'm here because God placed me here. Whether it be, now listen, here in Tulsa, that'd be part of this church, part of this ministry. But if you're just listening, you can be in the same way faithful to God put me with the message of the prayer center. Well, that's good. See, what I've, what I've found in myself, and I'm talking about myself, I have people all the time. I mean, probably, I'm sure you do too, almost every day. Well, not quite every day, almost every day. Have you heard this preacher? Have you heard that preacher? Especially with social media, we got some 18-year-old prophesying something that goes around the world, and he just had a good pizza, you know? And, uh, but it sounded good, so it went around the world. And, and so we have people 
Have you heard of this preacher? Have you listened to this message? Have you looked at this? And my answer now is I haven't listened to anyone else for years. Because it's not that I, I don't, they're not right. I don't know. But I know what I'm supposed to do. I know the walk that God put me on. And I feel it's important that I stay on that walk. And, and I, there's no need for me to search around. You know, I know that my, the answer for my healing that I'm walking through right now is on the walk that I'm on. The fact that I'm going through a physical battle is not an indication that I'm on the wrong path. It's an indication that I'm on the right path. God put me on this path because he knew this was coming and he knew how to walk me through it. And so when I, if I disengage from the path because I'm not happy, I'm not excited, I'm not getting stuff that I think I want or living like other people, when I take the reins back from God, then I start shopping around for a path that I think is my answer. And, you know, I suffered the stroke almost six years ago and, and I had all kinds of well-meaning good people saying, listen, I know this evangelist who's anointed. I'll fly you there and pay for a hotel for you and your family and we'll get you in the prayer line. I personally know this guy and this guy and we can get you in for him to pray for you. No, sorry, I'm not interested. It's not that they're not anointed, but I know where my answer is. My answer is on the path that he placed me on. And if you're not assured of your calling, if you're not like a rifle or laser focused on your walk with God, see, your language should always be, God's placed me here. There's nothing you can do to make me come closer. And there's nothing you can do that'll make me walk away. God's in charge of my life. He placed me here knowing exactly what it would be like when he sent me here. So if you're surprised that you're not getting what you think you should have got, God isn't surprised. God, I followed you to this place and all I've got is trouble. I must, you must have missed it, God, or I must have missed it. Second Peter chapter 1. Oh, let's start in 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as the light that shines in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they are moved by the Holy Spirit. So there are specific words for you we would call prophecy. Uh, the specific word for the prayer center and the group of the prayer center at this moment is what we call the blueprint of 2020. I believe it's the blueprint of our lifetime. Don't get too excited that at January the 1st, 2021, you get to throw away the blueprint of 2020. Oh, praise God, I don't have to pray anymore. No more fasting. We have done it for a year. Hallelujah. Glory. The revival is going to come. We won't need to pray anymore. We're too busy laying hands on people. Don't be too dismayed when a new prophecy shows up. January 1st, 2021 says, you know what you did last year? I want you to do that again and more. <laughs> you know. But God... I should have this by now. I should have that by now. So when God gives you a word, a prophecy that you receive, and that's where we want to be careful too, because when you take a prophecy, say prophecy. 
That's why you have to be careful who you let prophesy over you. But you think I'm too hard on wannabe prophets? It's only because I've seen too many lives destroyed because they listen to a word from a person rather than knowing in their heart and obeying the word in their heart. A prophecy is only ever, 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 a personal prophecy to you should only ever, ever, ever confirm what God is doing and speaking to you. It's not to give you direction. It's not to make you do it. Well, God, I remember uh, with John, we were going on a, a trip. We were both single and we were going on a trip to Bahamas. And we were going down to vacation down in Florida for spring break time, I think it was, with the school. We went down there and his dad owned an airplane and he would take... Um, boxes of stuff to the Bahamas, different islands, you know, and they'd ship it. He, that's how he made some money. And there's one island, I can't remember which it was called, but he crashed on that island years ago because it got really windy. It's a very narrow, like the whole island is almost an airport landing pad. That's about it, runway. And so John had this great idea. Hey, we're down there. My dad's flying the plane or the, his plane's going to this island. Let's fly over and get lunch. And I thought, well, let's do it. That's so cool. You know, and being from Canada, anything island, uh, beachy is like so romantic for us. It's like, ah, going to the Bahamas, you know, even if it was just for lunch, you know. And so a couple days before, I got a, a phone call from a lady who I'd known. I didn't necessarily say I'd respect her so much spiritually, but just a, a, a lady that I'd known for years. She said, I have a question. Yeah, I had a dream last night that you died in a fiery plane crash. Are you planning on going on a plane trip anytime soon? And I said, well, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I already heard the story how on one of the trips, John's dad, the airplane landed hard because of the wind, caught on fire and, and crashed into the ocean. He, he survived, and his, and, but I thought, well, um, God, <laughs> you know, do I cancel the whole thing? I looked for peace on the inside, and I still felt peace on the inside of me. And so we walked, I remember we walked over to the airplane, and, and it didn't dawn on me, of course I was young, that I needed my passport, because we're leaving the country. Bahamas is a whole different country than the United States. It didn't dawn on me that I was going to leave the United States and come back. And now at this time, I'm a Canadian citizen. So it's even harder. And so I didn't have my passport. So when we got to the airport, we talked to the customs and they told me, yeah, go ahead, just come right back. And, you know, they were, they understood it was, you know, not much going on that island. And uh, so there was some resistance even to go. And I was wondering, is that a sign? The day or the week before I left from Cleveland, Tennessee to move to Tulsa, I was driving my car. I came up to a red light behind another car, and I looked in my mirror, and here's a little blonde young girl in a BMW driving full speed, looking at her phone, did not even stop, crashed right into the back of my car and destroyed my car. And I had two opinions from people, the ones who didn't want me to go, said, that's a sign from God that you're missing it. The ones who wanted me to go said, that's the devil trying to stop you. 
while we were at the plane, and I was wondering, is this a sign from God, this resistance, that don't get on the plane, it's going to crash and burn, and you'll fall out of the sky? Well, I felt peace the whole way. We went and had a great time. I followed the peace inside of me, not the word of someone else. The moment you yield over the responsibility of your steps to someone else, then you are in danger of being led who knows where. And it's important, the message today is to emphasize how important it is that you know what God's telling you, and you stick to it. When you see people who float around, they're shotgun people. They're, they're here, they're there. You never can count on them to be somewhere. You never can know what they're going to do. Those type of people who are afraid of commitment to God or in life, then they're not healthy people for you to walk beside them. They have to grow up. And what you want to really get me preaching mean, call yourself a leader and then leave when it gets hard. Because you never were a leader. You were not able to say, there's nothing, nothing that you can do that will make me stay. I'm staying because God sent me here. And there's nothing. You you don't have to give me opportunity. You don't have to give me money. I'm here because God put me here. Or the ones who can't. I'm not leaving. There's nothing you can do to bring me closer. And there's nothing you can do to make me leave. Because God placed me here. He's the only one who has the right to make me leave. So when someone says, I'm talking about leaders now. I don't expect more from regular folk because, you know, we all have to grow up at some season. And uh, God has a lot of mercy on that. But when you call yourself a leader or a pillar or you want to be a leader or a pillar and you begin to, you hear grumblings. I don't agree with this. If I were in charge, I would do that. Uh, they should do this. It's so easy to talk when you don't have no skin in the game. And, but when you got skin in the game, you know, that, that says, I'm here because God put me here. Do you know that even though I have the greatest respect for Gary and Pastor Dave and Tim, I'm pretty sure they're not perfect. Now, I've got to be careful because they don't want to be mad at me. But I'm pretty sure if we were to really take a, you know, Gary, we know, he, already, he, he announces his imperfections. But if we were to take a, uh, a magnifying glass and follow their life around, we might find a few things that, you know, I'd probably do that different than them. I remember we had a, a bunch of uh, young people from the conference over at our house one time, many, many years ago, at the conference during October. And Chrissy's mom had sent a box of decorations that she had purchased, like cheap decorations, used decorations. And, um, and one of them said, Happy Halloween. But it had a, a really cool, like, fall look to it. And so we put it up in our house because it was fall decorations. And we're not really touchy about that kind of stuff. Well, we had all these young people in. And, and the, after they left, I realized, I bet all of them aren't going to listen to me anymore. Because, you know, some people really have a problem with Halloween kind of stuff. And it was just a decoration, but it could offend them, you know. I'm sure we can find something. You don't think so? Let me take the magnifying glass and move it over to your life. And, you know, I'm sure there's something that's not perfect. Well, if the only reason you're following someone is because you like them, because they, they feed you, because they, they bless you, because they're perfect in your eyes, then eventually you're going to stop following them because they won't bless you. They won't reward you. See, we want all of our reward to only come from God. And the place that you're walking 
and the place that you're holding on to should be because God sent you there, not because you got something out of it. So when you hear someone say, well, I go to a church that really encourages me, you know, a church that really feeds me, a church that really blesses me. And you might hear someone say, you know, if you go to a church and they're not encouraging you, go somewhere else. But see, that right there gives you the right to make a decision for your life that God wants to hold. He may want you in a place that you don't like. We had a little girl come in. She's part of our Unwed Mothers program. And so she was a single little girl that the parents didn't want to help. They rejected her. Her belly's coming out. She's pregnant. And she's living at the home. And we'd make them come to the classes at Bible college. So in their living at the unwed mother's home, they had responsibilities. And this little girl, she came in, she was sassy. I mean, sassy. And she's like, I hate this place. How dare they tell me to have to come to school? You know what? You guys are a bunch of controllers. Here you are, you tell me when to go to bed, when to get up, when to do dishes. I got to do dishes. You understand that? When to, when to cook, I got to cook sometimes. Coming to class, I got, who are they, who are you to tell me what to do? And I just, I broke out laughing because little belly's sticking out. Little, you know, little skinny girl, big old belly. Looked like a toothpick with an olive on it. <laughs> and I said, I laughed and she got more mad. I said, honey, do you understand that in about mm, two months, you're going to have someone else telling you what to do? When do you go to bed? What time you can get up? You're going to be cooking and cleaning and doing dishes and diapers for that little baby. You might as well get used to it now because that's the rest of your life. (laughs) Now, again, I'm trying to talk to a more mature crowd because I understand the generic Christians that they're looking to be encouraged and led. and, and, and And the problem with that is a lot of ministries are navigate to that place to where they're feeding the people and getting them excited. And then you have to keep them excited. Pastor Dave told me one time, he said, you know, the, the most dangerous thing you can do as a preacher is if you have a really good service on Sunday. I mean, anointed, the power of God flows, and just a fun service, miracles. The worst thing you can do is next week try to do more than that one because then you're in competition with yourself. You see, you don't want to be in competition with other preachers and try to outdo them or with yourself. Now, if you're, the, if you're naturally charismatic, you might be able to outdo other people. But you want, in your life, only what God wants for you. And if you have a complaint, you take it to Him. And you'll probably hear, just do what I tell you to do. Because if you see yourself as less important... If you see your calling as less important than other people, then you will accept being subservient to men. We don't call it that in the church organization world. We don't call it subservient. We just call it followers or we're good leaders because we get followers. It's, it's kind of camouflaged because they offer you things that make you feel good and feel self-worth. Instead of following God, because there's been times where God's told me to do stuff I did not like. And I've wanted to run many times, and he did not let me. Let's go to chapter 3. 
Beloved, verse 1, I, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you being mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fall asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, I'm pausing there, and I want you to listen. God has a call for you, and he's the only one who can get you to that calling. Nowadays, as I become more seasoned, if someone comes to me as a minister and says, Hey, God, I feel God wants me to walk with you. I tell them specifically whether they want to walk with me in our ministry or in what we do, or they want to walk with us in finances. It's the same message. I've got nothing for you. If you come to me, the only thing I have for you is work, prayer. I do not offer promotion. If you want promotion, the only place you'll find that is from God. It's not my job to promote you. I'm not going to get up all night and think, how, how do I keep them here by giving them something they need? I see a lot of ministries fail, good, uh, hungry ministers, because they go down a path of trying to impress the people. Sometimes they use testimonies. Sometimes they use their preaching. Sometimes their prophecy. One guy, he was a financial guy. He got tired of the tithe and the sowing of the seed. You get a hundredfold return. Well, he came back after a while because, you know, there's enough hundredfold return preachers that he was competing against. He came out with, God told me, I'm a thousandfold preacher. You give to my ministry, you get a thousandfold. And, you know, I calculated that one day. Where, you know, a fold is like times two. It's like you take it and you fold it in half. It's like times two. It's not just uh, double. And so it's more like if I take a dollar and I fold it, one fold is two dollars. Two fold is four dollars. Threefold, sixteen dollars. You know, a thousand fold, gee, I give you a buck, I get a million bucks. You know, this is great. And because he was trying to compete. And when you're with God, you don't have to compete because he's all you have. And you don't see people as an opportunity, as followers, as... Anyways, you see them as who I'm to serve. Pastors are to serve the people. See, leaders, they should look at people as not as assets to achieve my calling. Because they're not. They're equally as important in God's kingdom as you are. You look at them as, new, as newborn babes, as a, like a mother to a newborn. That's the way I see them. And that's what Paul said in First Thessalonians, that we treated you like mothers to a newborn babes. We protected you. And then you want them to grow up so they can walk alongside of you. We'll get back to the scripture here. Second Peter. Verse 3, knowing that's chapter 3, 3, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promises of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue, and these are from the beginning of creation. For these they willfully forget, that by the word of God, 
the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire under the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is not slack in his promises to you. Now, again, I'm not talking to the crowd. I'm not letting you hide within the crowd. I'm, I'm bringing you to light. And I want to encourage you. Find out what God has asked you to do. And if you don't live here in Tulsa and you're listening to our messages here at the prayer center, there is a theme at the prayer center that we preach, a heart of the prayer center that says your calling is as valuable as anyone else's. We don't want you to look to us. We want you to look to God. We want you to walk alongside of us. And so when you expect things from us to keep you, we cannot do that. And that's why, again, I get, I can get, to, if a preacher wants to put himself in a place as a preacher. See, if, if just someone nice who tries to do nice, you know, it's different than someone who takes a role. Someone who goes and prophesies to people, say, and, and walks around and prophesies to people. In my view, you put yourself in a position of a leader. Your game, I can pick on you. I can correct you. I can step in if you're messing with people that I'm part of, if I'm a shepherd in this place. And so I have no problem picking on pastors, leaders, preachers who take a position of leadership speaking for God if they do it out of order. One preacher I know, very anointed. In fact, he he took a lot of time and taught me how to flow in the anointing. problem was it was how to flow in the anointing under the gifts and not under the anointing of the believer. And, and he would have tremendous services. I mean, he was very charismatic. The crowd would be excited. And I learned a lot of good things and a lot of not-so-good things from him. And the Lord told me one day, he said, when the anointing of miracles come, it's really up to the preacher how he delivers that anointing. And he said, you can either deliver it to where the, you get the glory, or you can deliver it to where God gets the glory. And we've heard stories of the old-time preachers where they start to preach and they put a box over their head because they did not want you to look to them. They wanted you to look to God. And really, that's the heart of the message of the prayer center. You want promotion? Go to God. You want to walk in your calling? Go to God. You want to change? Go to God. He is the answer for all we have. Let's get rid of hiding Let's decide that our life's in his hands, our steps are his, and get singular focus, laser focus, like a rifle, not like a shotgun. And when you see someone who's like a shotgun, they're scattered. They're always here. They're sometimes there. They're sometimes there. Just be wary because they haven't found their path yet. They haven't committed to God's plan yet. They want to keep control and serve God. They want to keep the right in their life to make, okay, if I don't like it, I'm changing course. If I don't like it, God, if you tell me, it's like when you have a, 
a young man or, or a young woman at your business and you tell them something to do and they go, okay, fine. Hey, I need some, I need some volunteers. You ever have this problem? <laughs> hey, we need some volunteers in church. We're going to clean up the, the gutters. You know, any volunteers? No, no. And then you say, hey, Pastor Dave is going to preach in Hawaii. We need a couple of volunteers to travel with him. All expenses paid to Hawaii for two weeks. Any volunteers? Oh, wow. Oh, I'm sorry. I conf- No, that's for the next volunteers. This one was for the gutters. Okay, we'll see you at Saturday at 4, you know. Trying to get people to volunteer, trying to get people to, to be involved. You have to entice them. You have, when you ask them to do something they don't like, and they either, or you preach a message they don't like, and they say, you know, in some churches they hold back their offering. They're like, well, you're going to tell me something I don't like. I'm just not going to give you any more money. Or they talk bad about you behind your back, or they give you the face, or they, you know, like there's all kinds of little subtle expressions. You know, I had one girl working for me uh, as a secretary, and someone came in and, and she looked at them and gave them like a, a sour face as she answered. And I said to her afterwards, I said, listen, if you're going to say something, say it. Amen. Don't express it, say it. Because what you do when you react like that, when people react like that, what they're saying, if you ask me to do something I don't like, if you tell me something I don't want to hear, I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to train you how not to tell me stuff I don't want to hear. Because I'll make you suffer. I'll talk bad about you. I'll skip your services. I'll hold back on finances. And see, they're trying to train you. Well, people are like that with God. God, you need to give me what I want or I'm going to do it myself. And that's how a lot of, a lot of religions based on that, this concept that you can serve God where you want, when you want, how you want and still walk with God. That's where all, all of our religion is built, that you get to be in charge. But true walking with God is I give up the right. God, wherever you put me, that's where I'm at. When I had the stroke... Um, someone actually said to me, um, well, you think Christy's going to divorce you? And you know, she's still young, marry someone else. <laughs> and I thought, I'd never even thought about that. That's not even Christ- in Christy's nature. You know, thank God I got a wife that is committed, <laughs> you know, singular focused. You know, but in, in church world, we have so many people bouncing around looking trying to find a quick path to their calling, a quick path to ministry. We've got preachers seeking after people, seeking after anointings and glory and open heavens and signs and wonders and sensationalism instead of growing in character and strength and growing in God and letting God lead your steps. If God's leading your steps, then no matter what's going on around you, doesn't change. And the point of the message is you are responsible to stay in the will of God. I'm not talking about the church here, but our prayer center family around the world. Every one of us, even if you're not attending the services, you can still be singular focus on what God has assigned to you. Man, I listen to the prayer center and all they talk about prayer, fasting, worship, Confession, 
prayer, fasting, worship, confession, prayer, fasting, worship, confession. Do you have a new message? Do you have a new message? See, all those messages are our job as a preacher once we're moving forward is not to lead you, but to encourage you to keep doing the things that will help you follow God into what he has for you. And when you follow God, how many of you have hit a hard time? You hit resistance. You hit discouragement. God, this prayer should be answered. I should have this by now. I want to be used. It's in us to be used of God. Everyone wants to be valuable to God. A lot of churches, that's how they hook you. Like, hey, what are you good at? That's the first thing on the, after your name. What are you good at? Well, because I want to know that so I can plug you in where you're good at. But plugging you in should never be because you're good at something. It should be because God put you there. So don't sell yourself out because you get rewarded for doing something. Follow God. And when you're following God and you hit the hard time, you hit the frustration, the discouragement, this is never going to happen. This is never going to happen. The promises God gave you is never going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're getting older now. It's not going to happen. Look how, look, you're getting older now. It's not going to happen. You're getting older now. It's not going to happen. Have you been doing this how long? It's not going to happen. And when you hit that wall and you begin to question backwards why I'm on this path, why I am where I am at, maybe I miss God, maybe I've done something wrong, then you're, you're losing the point that God knows you better than you know yourself. There's a reason he put you somewhere. Sometimes he puts you in places you don't like because it's what's best for you. Well, I got this job. God put me in this job. I don't like it. The boss is mean. No one's saved. They're cussing and they're treating me wrong. I'm getting a new job. Bless God. Will you pray for me, Pastor Gary, that I get a new job? I need a new job with Christians at a Christian organization. So my, my delicate emotions will be offended by cussing on it's like, man, come to my, my parents' family reunion and we'll deal with all your delicate emotions quickly. <laughs> you know, it won't take long. You'd be like, people do this? Oh my God. You know, toughen up, buttercup. <laughs> and see, when you start living, you allow yourself to disconnect from what God's told you. You don't put value on what God told you. It's the same as a marriage. If you don't put value on who you marry, if you put value on who you marry, you might do a little more um, uh, research before you marry someone to make sure they're marriageable material. And if you don't put value on marriage, you can say, well, I, if I don't like it, I'll just get a new one. You know, some people, that's how they live. Every number of years, they get a new spouse, like a new car, a new model. And they're never connected. They're always have, their spouse is always having to keep them happy, to keep them. That's a miserable place. You're putting the responsibility on the wrong person with that's your, your mindset. Well, it's the same with God. God, I'm yours. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. I don't need anything as a sign that I'm in your will except knowing your voice. And so whatever prophecies God gave you, whatever word God gave you, and you thought, when I follow God, this prophecy will come to pass tomorrow. 
And the, the more you follow God, it seems like you're walking in a different direction. That's the right that he has. The prophecy that God gives you is not to say, go make this happen. The prophecy that God gave you is to say, if you stay with me, this is what's going to happen. And many people, because they get frustrated with waiting too long, they hear that it's not working, you're on the wrong path, just go do it. Just go make it happen. Then they go make it happen in the name of God. But this is religious as wearing a robe and anything else because you're in charge. Can you yield over your life to God truly? See, you're going to have to hold on to the word. You're the one, one responsible to hold on to his promise. And when all hell comes against you and says, it's all a lie, he would never do that for you. You need to get your act together and start doing this and this and this. And there's enough preachers out there who will tell you what to do. We don't need any more of those kind of preachers. Just go do this and this and this. Then you're good. You have to hold on to the word that God gave you and say, this is sacred. The word that God gave me personally and from his scripture promises is sacred. My own health, the doctors tell me there's no chance of recovery. I mean, I've, there's no chance in the natural. There's no pill I can take. There's no surgery I can have. It's done. So I can either dwell on that. I think, well, what good am I going to be? Who wants to listen to me? Or I can dwell on your word is true. Your word is sacred. It's unchanging. He spoke the world into existence. And even though he had the, had the world flooded and destroyed, it's still here. His word is that powerful that it's unchanging. It's, it's not a, there's no lie. There's not a hint of lie. There's not a hint of intimidation. You know, when we pray for the sick and we say, God, you know, if you healed aunt so-and-so, it'd be such a testimony for the family. That you're real. Praise God. What an opportunity for you to heal them, God. To prove to my family that you're real. And nothing happens. Because God is not intimidated. His word is true. You have to believe it. And not try to corner him and say, Listen, you better heal her or my family's not going to serve you. His word is what we go grow to and grow from. His word is unchanging. And you have to take your own path, your own walk, and say, God, this is my path. If all I ever do is this path, this is all I ever do for you, I am content. If this is all you see me useful for, you know, I have such love for intercessors. Number one, because I'm always trying to steal them away to pray for me. Uh, But also because they're the unsung heroes. They pray. They get woken up at 2 in the morning. And pray for your, your sorry rear end. And you come out shining like a rose. And they don't get to sleep. But God used them to pray for you. To help you go through that moment. And no one even knows. You know it's a bad intercessor when they announce what they've been praying for. You know. <laughs> God woke me up at two in the morning to pray for you. <laughs> no you're supposed to be quiet about that. Because God gets all the glory. Determine in your heart what words are true, what path you're on, 
And be like a laser beam. Be straight and specific. And that means when you do that, you're going to shut the door on a lot of other things. Well, that's how we should be with God. God, all other plans for my life, my own, my family's, my children's, my pocketbook, my house, my self-worth, all of that, I'm shutting the door on. They don't lead me anymore. The only voice that leads me is yours. And when you have a word that you say, this is God, how many here you have a word for your future? If you don't, we're going to pray that God will give you one in the middle of the night or sometime. But you have a word that you hold on to. I have words that I hold on to. Prophecies. We call it the blueprint here. It's not a blueprint that we're to make to come to pass. It's a blueprint to tell us what God is working in our life. And so when we're going through things that don't look like it's working, we can just say, yeah, the blueprint says that's where I'm going. God's not a liar. So those are the words that you have to hold on to. The truth. Did God send you somewhere? Did God send you to a church group? To like the the prayer center? Did God send you to listen to this uh, ministry? That kind of thing. That he didn't send you there to pile them up with a bunch of other preachers. It's very singular. The worst thing you do is shop around. You start shopping around, you purchase what you like, and it won't be what God wants you to have. When you get singular, you'll find that you'll have to shut the door on opportunities elsewhere. And you end up with this walk where all you have is, God, if you don't rescue me, I'm dead. If you don't promote me, I have nothing. You're all I have. You're all I have for for finances. You're all I have for life. You're all I have for my calling. You are all I have, God. You're, You're it. And it's the safest place you can be. Because then you are with him and in his will. Hold on to the word. Hold on to the path you're on. Toughen up. Doesn't matter what it looks like. His word is true. It's sacred. It's sacred and it's everlasting. It never changes. If God truly spoke to you, then you can trust that above all things. Amen? Amen. Let's go change the world. You are released. See you at 10 o'clock.